0: Welcome into the Pursuit of Manliness podcast where we are vigorously equipping men to pursue biblical manliness. My name is Jarrett Samuels. I'm the host of this podcast. And men, as always, thank you for checking out today's podcast episode. Now, when you get the opportunity, make sure you visit thepursuitofmanliness.com. You can find all things Pursuit of Manliness. You can check out what is new in the gear store. Specifically, I want to highlight our fall men's retreat, September 29th and 30th, here in Indianapolis, Indiana. Men, this is a weekend you do not want to miss. Now, all podcasts within the pursuit of manliness, whether it is the Monday interview, Wednesday quiet life, or Friday out in the garage, are intended to help us pursue being spiritually sound, mentally strong, relationally established, and physically fit. Men, It's time for today's podcast conversation. So every year, a bunch of well-meaning individuals embark on a journey to read through the Bible. And then you get to about halfway through Exodus after the Red Sea and people start grumbling and looking for water, looking for food. It seems like we can fade out pretty quickly. And then if you make it to Leviticus, uh, you got to trudge through a lot of instructions and a lot of details. And then Numbers. Uh, sometimes people don't even know this book exists. And just the idea that it says Numbers can be enough to say, you know what, I'm out. Now, I'm not, bl- I'm not saying everyone does this. I'm just saying, in general, I think it's easy to just to kind of say, I don't want to get caught up in that. It's kind of like reading a genealogy. Have you read the genealogy in Matthew? You read it, and, you, and there's a few names that kind of stand out to you, but the rest of the names, you're like, I just, I just don't know who they are. Um you know, you look at genealogies or portions of scripture where they're listing a lot of people, listing a lot of names, listing uh, people that were going off to war, like what tribe had, what? how many guys. And I think it's just kind of easy to, to read that and dismiss it, or I'm guilty of this, my eyes just kind of glaze over it. I say that because as we enter into the book of Numbers, what an interesting word to use, because Numbers is where Israel is getting ready to enter into the promised land, Uh, Not as many people going into the promised land as they think they are, and we'll we'll certainly touch that as we go through this, but they come to a place in the beginning where we're going to do some counting. Now, before we get into that, Numbers gets its name from the census that Israel is going to take. You get the census in chapter 1, chapter 3, and chapter 26. The Hebrew name, Bemiddar, means in the desert or in the wilderness, and this title describes Basically, the contents of what's happening within the book of Numbers, and it, it's it's a story of, of of tragedy, really. So here you have this group of people, and they've all come to this place, and they've been they've been on this journey with Moses, and they're they're, they're now they're in a a timeout because we're going to wait for the generation to die before the next generation goes in, and we'll get into that. We'll get into that as we go through this book. I want to encourage you read the book of Numbers. I would encourage you to read the book of Leviticus. I don't know if I did it justice by any means. Read it. Read through the whole Bible. As you read through the whole Bible, it just gives you a better synopsis of what the Bible's about. This book written over a you know, 1,600-year period, the number of authors, different continents, many of them didn't know each other, and yet tells one complete redemptive story, God redeeming his people through Jesus Christ. So we look at this, we look at this book, and it's this wilderness and wandering there's counting and there's camping going on in the first few chapters here only two of the people who were over 20 years of age when israel left egypt is going are is going to live through the wanderings in the desert and and enter the promised land only two you have this this herd of humans that left egypt with all this great excitement, anticipation. This is a nation. This is these are my people. I'm going to do this, that, the other. You got all the instructions. You have all the sacrifices. All the, the 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 things that were going to transpire, so that people learned to be the people of God. So people learned God's statutes, His commands, His instructions. His only two. Oh, even old Moses ain't going to make it into the Promised Land. He's going to get to view it. Imagine driving your your family all the way to vacation, and you get to the place where the bridge, and you can look over, and you can see where you're going. But God says, "But you're not going in." I, I think that's got to be hard on Moses. But I think, I think there, ha- from a human standpoint, there had to be a little bit of relief. I mean, he Moses had been through a lot, and he, and he didn't ask for this. And so what happens is they're they're at this this kind of wandering place. And they're going to enter the promised land, and they are they're going to come to a, a, a place of rest. And rest is an interesting word within scripture. You have that after the the seven days of creation, seventh day, God rested from it. And we say, well, did he? Did, what does that look like? Do we need to rest? Uh, Isaiah talks about Isaiah fifty seven twenty that the wicked like Cain cannot rest. There there is a there is a, a biblical mandate. To find intentional rest, and Jesus said that in uh, Matthew eleven twenty eight, come to me and I will give you rest. Revelation fourteen thirteen talks about that. People get to the end of their life, they will rest from their labor when they're in eternity. And so there's this wandering, there's this rest, there's this preparation. God doesn't waste the rest. He doesn't waste the wandering. He doesn't waste the counting and the camping and all the things that are going to go on. And the book of, uh, forgive me, chapter 1 in the book of Numbers breaks it down this way. The the first few verses, there is the instructions to count, okay? And then you're going to get the census assistance in Numbers 1. 5 through 16. Then Moses is going to direct. This is how we're going to do it. In the United States, it was probably just a few years ago. We had a census. People are going door to door. They hired a bunch of people to count people. And um, I don't know. I don't know how often you do that. And then you had in Numbers 1, 20 to 43, the results. This is where we can kind of glaze over. You start to see a whole bunch of numbers, results by tribal households. And then 44 to 46, you get the summary and the total. And then the one tribe, there's one tribe that wasn't counted, and that is the Levites. So they were the group that wasn't going to be counted here. Moses is going to need some help. Moses is going to need some help. What is that? Exodus 18, it's the Moses-Jethro principle where he said, what you're doing isn't good. You're going to wear yourself out. I believe God allows Jethro to speak into Moses' life all those years earlier, because he gets to this point, and when God says, You're going to count everybody, the guy would have had just you know a bleeding ulcer. He said, There's no way I can do this. Give me some tums, Lord. And he has some people. Twelve guys are going to help Moses take the census. One of the one of their names is Nashon, okay, son of Ammon Nadab. Nadab, okay? And I'm if, forgive me if that's your name in real life and I just botched that. Here's why I wanted to make sure I said it because I could have just skipped over it. But I think that would not be doing justice why this individual is mentioned, okay? This guy who is of the tribe of Judah. We find him in Matthew chapter 1 verse 4. Emenadab, the father of Nashon, and Nashon, the father of salmon. He's in the genealogy of Jesus. I said, it's easy to look at the genealogies. It's easy to look at the census. It's easy to look at these things that seemingly make our eyes just kind of glaze over. Our eyes are moving down the page, but the mind and the heart says, yeah, I'm not getting any of this. It's easy to look at that and just glaze over it. Here's a guy in in the genealogy of the messiah he thinks he's just got a he's got a mundane job i'm just going to count some people god says you have no idea what i'm going to do through you in future generations no clue he has no clue what the lord's going to do you have no clue what the lord can and and will do in in your life if you're willing if you're willing to be used by him, if you're willing to be obedient. Now, this period of time, they're a lot better at this than we are. In the U.S., I don't remember. We took a year, probably a year. I don't know how long it was. And um, they're going to count these people. They're actually looking to number how many of the uh, men of war, how many of these guys are old enough, skilled enough, ready enough to go into battle if necessary. And believe me, the next book, it's necessary. So here they are at Mount Sinai there is a preparation for the journey that that's going to be an important phrase we're going to get to in just a minute. Basically we're going to take a mass inventory and we're going to dole out some assignments. How often do you take inventory of your own life? There was a podcast about this a long time ago. You probably search Google and find it. I don't wouldn't have a clue what number it was. The idea was inventory your life. Inventory what the Lord has done, who he has put in your life, the places you've been, things of that nature. This is not the same thing. This is looking at what do you have right now? I would say this, this is not a prepper podcast, okay? I think you guys get that. After 2020, where suddenly supply and demand were not what they used to be, and you can make whatever conclusion you want for that. When things have gone up in price, when things have gone down in value, I would say it might be wise for you to, I don't know, take inventory if you want. Unless you're convinced that everything is just going to keep being the way it is, um, it would be wise to dole out some inventory and figure out, what do I have? What do I not need? If 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 I had three weeks where I physically couldn't get to the store or three weeks there was nothing in the, the pantry or in the freezer or in the gas tank or whatever, am I good? Your call you might need more than three weeks. That's, that's your deal. So what do they do? They start to purge some things, right? There's some more instructions. What I've found in my own life is this idea of purging is probably a forever process. And I say probably because I, I can't see it not being a process. You even meet older people, right? And what are they doing? They're purging. I don't need this anymore. And they're throwing it away. And then, you know, one of these older people passes away and you have to basically purge the entire house and all the, the assets and things. They're purging things. We don't need this. What we what got us to this point, we're not going to need it in the next uh, next season of life. There are certain things in your season of life. Maybe you had kids and you had a crib and a pack and play and all the toys and everything that you bumped in the night and it made noise and lit up. And all, you're like, we don't need it no more. We purge it. We take it to Goodwill. We give it to somebody. We whatever. So we have some final instructions. Here's some preparation that needs to take place. Again, as I said, this is an important word for what's going on here. But the people don't understand the weight of what's happening. You have an older generation, then you're going to have what would be described as a tragic transition. And we'll get into that around numbers 13. And we'll be in that for a hot minute for about 12, 13 chapters. And then you have this period of waiting for the new generation. Okay. So we're still in the old generation right now. People think same old same old day in day out it's going to be just just the way that it is nothing nothing see nothing new to see here the lords just and they almost they just become very ungrateful if you will in the book of numbers there are seven grumblings against uh from the israelites against god and moses and so as you know through scripture the grumblings lead to some consequences some punishment there's going to be essentially a final grumbling, a final nope, nope, and God says, that's it, no more. You know, I I, I know, I don't know, I never, never know when it is, but it's clear in Scripture. There comes a point where God's mercy says, that's it, no more. There's been a lot of opportunity, and uh, we're done. It's done. That season's done. And this book is going to cover a span of 39 years, I, again, beginning with the census, ending with, It's time to go. And when they go, it's really time to go. A whole new season of life is going to happen here. Here's the tension. And this is the tension within the book of Numbers, and you pick up on it real quickly. God's people, the people of God, cannot move forward, cannot progress, cannot see new blessings from God, receive new favor from God if they don't trust his promise and lean on his strength. They can't do it. They can't do it if, they, if they're not going to trust him. God is not going to say, you know what? They don't trust me, so why don't I just give them more? Then maybe they'll trust me if I give them more. No, you wouldn't do that with your kid if you can't take care of what you got now. I mean, what you wouldn't give them more? At least you shouldn't give them more. God says they don't lean on my promises. They don't trust me. They don't have a faith in me. Uh, we're not going anywhere right now. There's some people I think in, your, in their lives who are pretty stagnant and it's because you are leaning on your own strength. I came across this verse the other day. Our family's been reading through Proverbs. Proverbs 30, the words of Agur. We need more words from this guy. He says in verse 5 of chapter 30, Every word of God proves true. He is a shield to those who take refuge in him. Every word Again, you don't need to be a great theologian to know that every means every. Verse 6, do not add to his words, lest he rebuke you and you be found to be a liar. Well, there you go. Every word of God proves true. He is a shield to those who take refuge in him. The way I understand the word refuge is a, ma- a man, an individual, can only truly have one refuge. You have one house. You might own multiple houses, but you have the house, the one you go to, the one that you spend the most time with, the, the one that your family knows as your home. You can travel a lot. You can do a lot of—you th- can have an RV. You can have, you can own a campground, whatever. But you typically have one refuge. God says, I am your one refuge. There There is no other. I am your shield. Every single word of his proves true. But the Israelites, for whatever reason, just continue to take him for granted. Just continue to take God for granted. I I know we wouldn't do that. I know we wouldn't take him for granted. Now I want you to consider this. I've used the word preparation a couple times in this conversation. Is there a possibility that God is preparing you for something. Is there a possibility that you are in a season of life or you have been in a season of life where you say, I feel like there is this preparation that's taking place or going to take place. I just don't know what it is. I have to believe if you're in the camp here and there's counting and there's camping going on And the 12 men are going around, and they're getting the census, and even the old boy who's going to be in the lineage of Jesus, and he's getting his clipboard going, and he's writing down 12 in this tent, and 14 in this tent, and 22 in this one. He's writing it down. i got to believe you could feel the preparation. Can you ever feel the preparation of the Lord? I can. It's almost like the quiet before the storm. You ever felt that? You're like, It's fixing on storming it's fixing on happening here right i just believe that they if you if they were honest with each other and i I gotta believe that they were able to come speak to us now and talk about that time i gotta believe there was a, a a preparation that was taking place but i also gotta believe that during those seven grumblings against god in in moses i have to believe you could feel that as well When there's a sense of excitement, when there's a sense of anticipation, the last thing you need is Danny Downer. The last thing you need is the guy who's always going to grumble, complain. You don't want to be around the cynic. You don't want to be around the contrarian. You're saying, I just feel like God's going to do something. He's like, nah. I just feel like the Lord is preparing me for something. Or maybe this is just what you're going to do. Maybe this is just who you are. You just don't want to be around that guy. You don't want to be around those guys. They're never going to do anything different. They're never going to take a risk. They're never going to step out in faith. And when you feel like, man, the Lord's been preparing me for something. I just don't know what it is. You you can feel it. And I think when you look back, you say, oh, I, I definitely could feel it. Because they're preparing to move out, but it's not going to go the way they think it's going to go. Then they're going to move to the point where they're going to participate in the moving on, right? This is the tragic transition. And then they're going to get to the point where there's the prize at the end of the journey and they're moving in. What's the prize at the end of our journey? Immortality. (laughs) It does not get better than that. Immortality. That's the prize at the end of our journey. But i got to believe if you grumble and complain and you're cynical and you're the contrarian, you're the guy that's always you know, picking a fight or pointing out the problem or whatever, I just don't believe God's going to bless that. And I believe if you think God's doing something in your life and you feel this preparation, and I believe he's pre- preparing us all for something, I believe you also try to avoid those people. I'm not saying shun them or ghost them or cancel them or anything like that. I'm saying you just don't want to be around it. You just don't want to be around it. You're like, man, you are just a downer. You are just a constant rain cloud. So the question you have to consider is, is God preparing you for something? You say, I think he is. Well, I'm certain he is. It might be for tomorrow. It might be something that needs to be shaped or developed within your character, there might be some things that he needs to teach you and instruct you about him. It might be some things that the Holy Spirit's going to pull out of the word and say, I, "I I never noticed that," or "My eyes did glaze over that," or "You know, I never considered that before." It's kind of why we go through this on Fridays. Make we take a third of that podcast to to go through Scripture. Is he preparing you for something? Absolutely. Then maybe you need to take two inventories. Number one, you need to take inventory. Anything in your life that you need to keep or you need to make better? The law of cultivation, the work and keep, the plow and the sword. Is there things in your life that you say, I need more of that? It needs the best of me, not the rest of me. The people that live in my home, the word of God, a time, a quiet time, my prayer life. Forgive me, whatever that is. Is there an inventory you need to take and say, this needs to be magnified? elevated, and giving given first priority. Sometimes the simplest way to do that is turn off the noise. Don't turn this podcast off yet, but when you do, turn off the noise. Turn it off. Turn off the television. Get off social media. After you share the show, get off social media. Stop checking your email. Don't check your social media, whatever you got, whatever the alerts, whatever the notifications, whatever. The, don't check the weather, don't check the, the, the news stream, whatever. Don't, turn it off. Just get quiet. Simple. I always think of this. I always think of this. I wish I'd think of it more, but I'd say on a regular basis, I think of this. What was it like a couple hundred years ago when you didn't know everything instantly? You didn't know everything the other side was doing. You didn't know everybody that hated everybody. You didn't know how corrupt this was or that was or that story or that story. And so you're constantly in a state of trying to filter everything through your three-pound finite brain. And I just don't think we're wired for it like that. So what I try to do is just turn off the noise. Turn off the noise. I say, oh, I'm going to go for a walk. I'm going to put on some Christian music. No, turn it off. Turn it off because even there – you're still getting noise. I mean, it's good noise, and I think there's a place for it. There's definitely a place for it. But I'm talking about being just being intentional and just turning off the noise. Take that inventory. If I could simplify my life down to just a few things, what would it be? Well, you would have to start with Jesus. That's going to require the Bible and church and those things. Like that. That's Jesus' life. It's going to require uh, my family, those closest, immediately closest to me, and it's going to require, if I make it real simple, um, healthy things. Sleep well. Try to eat better food. Watch what I say. Watch what I hear. Watch what I do. You like, can make it real simple. You simplify your life. and You say, you know what, I'm going to tap into that old dude that's inside me, and I'm going to go back a couple hundred years. Like, make it simple. So inventory that. Here's the second thing you need to in inventory. Who do you got in your life? Who do you have in your life? because when i look at this census and when i look at what happens in numbers 13 14 15 right when i look at the 12 spies that 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 three chapter window there and i look at you know all the stuff that goes on between 13 to 25 people were influenced I don't think everybody came up with it on their own just to be grumbling, and complaining, and be a miserable human. I just don't think they did. I don't think we're that smart to all come up with that on our own. But I think when the heads of families, when the heads of tribes, when the heads of these certain groups started to grumble and complain, other people followed suit. That's what I think. I, I, I don't think everyone thinks for themselves. And so you need to see and to look around and where's who do I got? Open your eyes. Who do I got in my corner? Who do I have speaking into my life? It might be a podcast you like. It might be an author you read. It might be a sermon you know, series that you're digging into, whatever. That's all influencing your life. Who do you have in your life that's influencing your life? See, the census was to count the, 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 the men of war. Who we got? Who's going to go into battle? What does this look like? Oh, by the way, they're all fixing on dying. Except for a couple guys. Why? Because you continued to grumble and complain against the Lord. And so if I embrace the fact that God is preparing me for the next season of life, that season can come tomorrow. It can come before this episode's over. It could come in a decade from now. I've talked to my wife about this. We make decade decisions. We think about the next 10, the next 10. You do it all the time. You're ready for that, or you're closer to being ready for that. And then I I take the inventory. What needs to be elevated, what needs to be purged, And then I look at what kind of men of war do I have in my life? What men will go into spiritual battle with me? What men would show up and, if needed, knock on my door or ring my phone or get— you know my attention somehow and say we we need to make sure we're walking this narrow road, we're going to make sure we have not budged, we will be uncommon amongst the common because anybody can grumble and complain. You can go to a church and find hundred two hundred two thousand people who are willing to grumble and complain, but you're only going to find a very small, very, very small group of men who say, "Oh, I'll go with you." It's like Jonathan the armor bearer. I'll go with you, heart and soul. I will be as close to you as possible as I carry your shield while you fight your battle. That's the kind of people we need in our life. That's the kind of people I'd say, I'll sign up for that. I'll be a part of that. And maybe, maybe you don't have that right now. This is a Friday episode. Maybe you spend the weekend praying for that. Maybe you going to church this weekend. You look for some of those guys or have that conversation. Three things. One, embrace the fact that God is preparing you. Two, take inventory the good and the bad. And three, get around those guys. You say, where are my men of war? Where are my guys who will do what needs to be done? And listen, you be one of those guys for somebody else. It isn't all about serving you. You be one of those guys for someone else. and You say, listen, brother, I'll be your guy. I'll make the call. I'll send you the message. I'll go by your house. I'll do the things that you need to do because I need some people in my life that will do the things that I need them to do. And when that happens, we learn from what happened to the Israelites and we say, God, thank you, Moses. Thank you for writing it down. God, thank you for putting that on his heart. Thank you for letting me read it and help me not repeat the same disastrous recipe. Amen. Once again, men, I want to thank you for listening to the Pursuit of Manliness podcast. Now, one more thing before you go, I want to encourage you, would you consider joining The Herd? The Herd is a $5 a month monthly subscription to The Pursuit of Manliness. These men who are in The Herd, they not only get bonus podcast content, but they're also a part of a community that has ongoing conversations, monthly Zoom calls, and more. For just $5 a month, you can help keep this ministry moving forward. You can also gather with like-minded brothers across the globe. Men, thanks for listening, and let's keep pursuing biblical manliness.